This podcast is part of the Dark Myths Collective. Visit darkmyths.org to discover more shows like this one. The darkness awaits. It's about to be a fun ride. Follow along, watch as we slide. Paranormal just hit the lights. Goosebumps all through the night. Mixing just a little bit of twain. That girl sure can't do a thing. Together, hillbillies go insane. Laugh so hard it'll hurt your brain. Podcast you won't ever change. These two here, they got the recipe. Sat on back and listen in to some of our darkest mysteries, eh? Welcome to Hillbilly Horror Stories. And now here's your host. Jerry and Tracy Polly and their dog Ninja. Hey guys, welcome to episode 124 of Hillbilly Horror Stories. I'm Jerry. Hello, everybody. Hello, what? Mm. <laughs> I was going to say guys. <laughs> I'm trying to change it up. <laughs> Dang it. Oh. What you had to bust me for? Yeah, I think they all heard it, so oh. I don't think I busted you. <laughs> well, anyway, <laughs> hi guys. So today I posted a picture of uh, yet more Christmas household interior decorating that Tracy's done. What? What I do? You put the you got the things to put on the back of the chairs. Oh yeah, fun. Yeah, it was. It's a blast. So. At some point in time, I'm just expecting to walk in instead of carpet. There'll be snow down. That would be that's what amazing. I'm expecting. That would be amazing. And then to be like, we'll be in a giant snow globe. Oh, <gasps> wonder how we can do that. Well, we can't. Oh, what you gotta get me all excited for? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you know what? Rudolph's only been on one time. That's one time too many. It is not. Don't you ever say that again. Ever. I'm really surprised. Maybe it'll be, oh, I bet it's going to be on Monday or Tuesday night, maybe. Mm. If only there was a way to find out, like that big guy that's on our TV screen. You are so mean. I know. You are. Okay. (laughs) So before we get too far in, obviously, we want to thank all of our military and civil servants all over the world. Thank you guys for what you do. Yes, please stay safe. And I hope you guys have a great holiday season, even though you're away from your families. But... We love you guys, and thank you for keeping us safe. And obviously, when we say guys, we mean guys and oh, girls. Oh, guys and because, girls, yeah, because of course. obviously, there's both uh, genders. Yeah, because women roll Whatever. and boys drool. <laughs> How old are you? <laughs> I don't know. I do, and it's too old. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and then, of course, we want to mention, especially this time of year, holiday season is tough. On a lot of people, they struggle uh, with depression even more at this time of the year than other times in the year. So we just want to ask you that if you feel like you're struggling, don't be afraid to reach out to us, to people in the group, to friends, to family, to the suicide hotline, which is 1-800-273-8255. And if you're more of a texter, 741-741. And we actually had a listener that tell us that they used that text thing and it actually really helped so we're glad that um, we can at least pass that information along that maybe you didn't know. Mm-hmm. So Good. I'm glad that they were able to use that. Me too. It is tough. I mean, it's, um, I know, I, I just if you scroll through Facebook, you'll see people, just general posts from just friends. Yeah. I'm not talking about the group. I'm just talking about just friends mm-hmm. that going through a lot of time, you know, tough times right now. I know, like for me, my mother passed away in December. 
uh, yeah. two weeks right to, on December 10th. So it was just right two weeks before Christmas. And it it's something that pops in my mind every year around this time. And it's hard to celebrate a major holiday if you've lost somebody recently. Mm-hmm. Or even in my case, 13 years ago, you still think about that. Of course you do. And uh, I know Tracy, you know, when I remember when she had... Her mom passed away, you know, a lot earlier in the year, but still when Christmas rolled around, it was the first Christmas without her mom. And then you got your second Christmas. It's just, you know, your holidays, and I think that's why so many people struggle with the holidays. One, I think there's people who are just genuinely feel alone. Mm-hmm. And then when they see, you know, the holiday time where you should be with friends and families and, and, and loved ones and all that, and if you feel like you're alone, then you just really feel like you're missing out. That's part of it. You and know then, what? You know what? And also, if you are by yourself, find a place where you can go visit the elderly, people in nursing homes, people that live by themselves that have nobody. That is a good idea. And you, it would mean you the can world take to a them. negative and turn it into a Absolutely. positive. Absolutely. Yep. You need, you know, that would be helpful for both of you guys. And, Absolutely. And, you know, I, I know the elderly don't like to be home alone at Christmas or holidays. And Neither does Macaulay Culkin. I, he don't. But you know what I'm saying? Just you know, find out maybe some places you could go um, to help Children's out. Children's hospitals. Yeah. Go, oh my gosh. Do that. I mean, it's just such a blessing. And I promise it will uh, it will lift your heart up and it will theirs too. So, yeah. Good suggestion. Thanks. Now but I anyway, want to go do it. The, and the, the other reason besides people being alone is I do think that they um, think about loved ones that they missed and, and lost oh, gosh. And, of course. Uh, sometimes like i said sometimes it's just been recently sometimes it's been years ago but it's still yeah. a time where you remember mm-hmm. i mean how do you like in my case I, I can remember all the christmases when we were young and the whole family was together uh-huh. and i mean then some people you know their families they've had a death where one of those parents aren't there or, or either parent or they've had a divorce where the your parents are still alive but they're not together so you think about you know yeah. how it used to be and so yeah I my, think, my good friend uh known all my life just posted that her her father passed away this morning and it was so unexpected and she said she talked to him yesterday and he said he felt the best he'd ever felt in a long time and she said there was really no reason for something to happen to him he wasn't really sick uh, with anything but you know it's just that was a shock to wake up and see that so so let's switch it up a little bit and talk about some joyous occasions we got coming up. Yeah. All these live events. Guys, I can't express to you how ecstatic we are to see the ticket sales at some of these things. It is amazing. You guys are just awesome. To think that uh, some of these events are a year away almost, or not a year away, but eight, nine, ten months away. Mm-hmm. And it's like Bobby Mackey's. We've got 50 seats available, 19 are already gone, mm-hmm. and it's not even January, and that's in June. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's amazing. Yeah. Um, Louisville, we've already sold, uh, I think, 15 tickets, and there's only 60 or 55 available there. We've got 17 sold for Atchison, Kansas already. That's going to be awesome. Uh, we've already sold 10 for Houston. That's not even until August. I'm sorry, that's May. I don't even know when these, these events are. They've got too many going on, but Houston's <laughs> in May. And so, I mean, yeah, you guys are awesome. I'm not going to bore you with all the details. Go to our website, hillbillyhorrorstories.com. Click on the live events. You'll see all the shows we got going on, who's going to be there with us, how much tickets are, and you can buy your tickets straight there. We just want to say ahead of time how much we appreciate you guys. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. And And that's a good Christmas gift. 
It, it's an awesome Christmas gift because nothing beats the gift of possession. No. Not and even. I mean, you'll be in possession of, of tickets, <laughs> not, uh, not the other kind. Not the kind that we expect to happen at the Sally House or Bobby Mackey's. Oh, where gosh, they've already don't even bring that up. All right, so we're ready to do the story tonight. Yes, sir. Let's do it. We're going to switch a little bit. I really don't know how to categorize this. We're going to talk about a creature, but I don't really want to say it's a cryptid because I don't like doing cryptids, so I would never do that. This creature is the Wendigo, and it's more of a Native American legend, so I don't really classify it as a cryptid. Okay. But it's also not really a haunting or anything like that. But we're just going to tell you a little bit about the legend of the Wendigo. How about that? Sounds fair to me. Okay. So the Wendigo, like we said, it's a legend. It comes primarily from the Algonquin Native American tribe. The Algonquins were some of the most numerous of the Native Americans. And they once lived all along the East Coast and the Great Lakes region. And that Great Lakes region is going to be where a lot of this, uh, the stories and sightings are going to take place. So the Wendigos are also found in legends by the Iroquois who were neighbors of the Algonquin. So you'll see some similar stories from both tribes. Now the plural, I thought this was just interesting, so I thrown in. The plural of Wendigo is, in case you're curious, Wendigog. G-O-A-G at the end. Huh. That makes no sense whatsoever. No. It's like, I always thought like Bigfoot. I always wondered, is it Bigfoot or Big Feet? If you got more than one. Is it two big yeah. foot or two big feet? That's a good question. <laughs> we'll have to get uh, Steve Cole on the phone and yeah. ask him. There are some other tribes of Native Americans that have a creature known as Stone Coat, which is very similar to the Wendigo. The word Wendigo itself roughly translates into the evil spirit that devours mankind. Don't that sound fun? Mm. No, it is not. <laughs> There's also another translation made by a German explorer around 1860. And it, it basically said that the word Wendigo is kind of, um, I guess, equal to cannibal. And there'll be good reason for that as we get into it. So the reason being that the Wendigo is said to have an insatiable hunger for human flesh. No matter how much human flesh he eats, can't get full. Why are you just making a face? I wonder what we taste like. Chicken. No, we don't. I thought you don't know that. Yeah. I don't want to know, but go Jeffrey ahead. Dahmer could tell us if Ew. he was still alive. This whole insatiable hunger thing kind of shows up in the way that the, the Wendigo looks. Most people describe it as being very tall and very thin. Now, now see, that, that just makes me mad. Why? Because he's tall and thin, he can eat our meat all day long and not gain no weight. I have an issue with that. <laughs> I'm sure you do. Ugh. Go ahead. Now, there's a bunch of different variations on its looks. Some say seven foot tall, while other people will say up to 15 feet tall. That is quite the difference. Whoa. You couldn't even judge that if you walked into a convenience store. Just to know they got the thing, the measuring tape on the side door. It doesn't go to 15 feet. On what store are you talking about? On like every store ever. You can't walk into like a Speedway or something without there being a little measuring tape on the side. I have never in my life seen that. You've got to be kidding me. No, now I'm going to go look tomorrow when I go to work. 
they're on almost everyone. And it's so when somebody walks in or out, if they rob them or something, they can tell them approximately how tall they are. <laughs> That's what it's for. Don't laugh. Okay. Continue on. <laughs> Some of the things that are more consistent about his looks is that the Wendigo has sunken, glowing eyes, long yellow fangs, and a very long tongue. Mm. That's pretty much the same in all the different variations. Mm-hmm. It, they have swollen and yellow skin. And some say they got matted hair, and some say that they've got, like, decaying-type skin. Ooh, maybe he's got jaundice. It's very possible. It looks like a giant skeleton with the skin barely stretched over over its ribs. Ooh. So when you think about, like, a starving animal, yeah. and you can see the ribs and everything, mm-hmm. that's what you're going to get out of this. The head is more like a deer. Think about a deer with antlers. Mm-hmm. Or a moose or antelope or something of that nature. Jackalope. It stands on two legs and his, the, the two lower legs are also deer legs. So that's a crazy image to think about. But Well, it sounds like a deer mated with something weird. It sounds a lot like a deer standing up just on its hind legs. Yeah. But its arms are a little bit different mm-hmm. than what a deer would be. So now you got the story of how the Wendigo actually came to be. And this will put some of what we've talked about already, it, it'll put it together into into why. So we kind of put the cart before the horse, so to speak, or before the mm-hmm. jacked up deer. The legend says that the Wendigo was once a human who resorted to cannibalism. Even if it was done in order to survive, you would become a Wendigo. So if you ate human flesh, you were destined to turn into this thing. Just if like, I went out and ate somebody, I'm going to be a Wendigo? Yes. That's exactly what would happen. Oh. And then you would come to me and tell me, and I would tell you when to go. Like now. Oh. Get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> she must love me for better or worse, she turned. <laughs> so when a person consumes the flesh of another human being, he or she is believed to be um, overcome, I guess you could say, by evil spirits and transformed into a Wendigo. That's the legend mm-hmm. of the Native Americans. In the past, this occurred more uh, often in the harsh winters when settlers and Native Americans found themselves kind of uh, stranded in, in these bitter cold and ice and the snowstorms, mainly up north. Mm-hmm. Remember we talked about the Great Lakes region, yeah, which that's kind of up in the same area where all this stuff would happen. Mm-hmm. So they would sometimes just be stranded for days in these snowstorms. And like well, they the, didn't have the garden, so they couldn't get no veggies. Garden's dead. Who <laughs> brought up a garden? Well, I'm just saying, in the summer they can have veggies. They wouldn't have to eat meat. Okay, so <laughs> any survivor up in that setting might be compelled to cannibalize the people who had already died to survive. Oh. And we've seen that in the past. That's terrible. You know, we've, we've seen the uh, the soccer movie that the movie that survived was made about the, the plane crash, I think, in the Andes. Mm-hmm. And they had to eat the people who had passed away, made like jerky out of them no. just to be able to survive. Uh, I think in that movie, The Revenant, mm-hmm. I think um, he ate some 
not that that was a real movie, but that is something that took place, especially in that time frame, which is when The Revenant was made. It was back in that same era. That's what this would have been. Other versions of the legend say that humans also showed extreme greed, gluttony, and excess might also become possessed by a Wendigo. So it didn't pay to be fat back then or it would be an overeater. Yeah. The most common story goes that the Wendigo was a, a hunter and he became lost during this brutally cold winter. His intense hunger drove him to cannibalism. And after eating human flesh, he became a crazed man that just roamed the forest. That's the original story of what happened. So the first story, at least the most be to believe the first, the Wingo is said to be a warrior who made a deal with the devil in order to save his tribe. So then he gave up his soul and was transformed into a Wendigo. Well, that helped him out during the war that they were having with the settlers and all that. But when peace was ensued, there was really no need for such a fearsome creature, and he was banished from the tribe and made to go live as an outcast out in the woods. Aww. So, this is how, what have you done for me lately? Mm-hmm. That's the way it goes. Some people think the human spirit still resides inside of a Wendigo. So the human spirit lives where a Wendigo's heart should be. And the person themselves inside the beast is frozen. Let it go. What? You're dumb. <laughs> You're dumb. Continue. <laughs> Unfortunately, most of the uh, same people believe that the only way to kill the Wendigo will also kill the human inside. Oh, so man. you can set the person free, but the only you're you're just basically keeping them from being this animal. Mm-hmm. But you would just free their soul, so to speak. Now there are a few legends out there that say that the frozen person was successfully rescued from inside of the Wendigo, but there's not very many of those stories. Mm-hmm. In most cases, death is the only way to free the human, as we said. Many Wendigo sightings have been reported over the years and not by just Native Americans, oddly enough. White settlers have also had many uh, sightings of this beast. The Wendigo has been blamed for several people who've went missing in the forest. Not everyone needs to worry about the the Wendigo, though. If you're in a warm state, you're pretty good. Because they're primarily seen in the north woods of Minnesota, the forest of the Great Lakes region, and central regions of Canada. Wow, that's interesting. It is interesting because there's a lot of other cold places yeah. besides that. You would think that... Maybe they just don't know they exist. Maybe it just doesn't travel very far. I guess, I guess not. The Wendigo has a number of skills and uh, powers, including being a near-perfect hunter. He uses every inch of his territory and can control the weather with his dark magic. He's on top of some stuff. Wow, he can control the weather? He can control the weather. Wow. You'd think he would just make it warm. Well, yeah, duh. Why wouldn't he do that? And he could eat healthy vegetables. Here's the cool part of the story, if there is a cool part. And this is actually, you know, we have a lot of fun with these shows, and we talk about stuff that may or may not exist, Mm -hmm. and it's all about belief. This is is a very true part that we're going to talk about. The name of the Wendigo has been used for a medical condition called Wendigo Psychosis. It's a very real disease that goes way, way back. This is considered by some psychiatrists to be a syndrome that creates an intense craving for human flesh and fear of becoming a cannibal. So just imagine you're 
trapped somewhere for a while. Mm-hmm. Where most of us, we call it cabin fever, right? Sure. You know, I've been stuck in the house for three weeks because of the snow. I can't wait to get out. I'm getting antsy. What if instead of getting antsy and ready to get out, you started thinking in your head, I'm going to starve to death. And I'm probably going to resort to eating somebody to stay alive. And that was a real fear inside of your mind. Mm -hmm. That's what these people experience. It's said to occur with people living and around the Great Lakes of Canada and the U.S. So right... Oddly enough, it's right in that same spot yeah. where Wendigos have been seen. It usually uh, develops in the wintertime in individuals that are isolated by heavy snowstorms for a long period of time. The initial symptoms are poor appetite, nausea, and vomiting. Subsequently, the individuals develop a delusion of being transformed into a Wendigo monster. People who have Wendigo psychosis increasingly see others around them as being edible. And it reminds me so much of the cartoon. Remember the, the uh, Looney Tunes cartoon where they were out in the boat and the, they got rescued. The two guys got rescued and the one looked at the other and he looked like a hamburger and the other one was oh. looking, looked like a hot dog. <laughs> yeah, that's I all, remember that. That's all I could think about when I was reading this. <laughs> at the same time, they have an exaggerated fear of becoming a cannibal. The most common response where people show signs of Wendigo psychosis was trying to cure them with an attempt of bringing in a Native American healer to do whatever they do. I don't want to say perform an exorcism because that's not really what what it would be, but they would do whatever Mm -hmm. uh, medically they thought would would cure the disease. So then if they tried to do that and it didn't cure them, then he got ate. Well, I don't know necessarily that's what would happen. (laughs) In the past, we've talked about, you know, we're talking about the distant, distant past, way, way back. If these attempts failed by the healer, like you said, the person possessed became, um, I want to say, I guess, more or less a threat to others. And they were usually executed. Oh, wow. (laughs) So like, you ain't you know, gonna eat me, biatch. Yeah. So, like I said, the whole the whole thing was let's bring in the healer, and if that don't work, we'll just kill him. Mm. There have been reports of psychosis dating all the way back hundreds of years, and I'm gonna talk about a couple of them that were actually written down in journals and stuff. In 1661, a Jesuit relation document had this to say. What caused us greater concern was the intelligence that met us upon entering the lake, namely that the men deputed by our conductor for the purpose of summoning the nations to the North Sea and assigning them a rendezvous where they were to await our coming, had met their death the previous winter in a very strange manner. Those poor men, according to the report given to us, were seized with an ailment unknown to us but not very unusual among the people we were seeking. They were afflicted with neither lunacy, hypochondria, nor frenzy, but have a combination of all these species of disease, which affects their imaginations and causes them a more than canine hunger. This makes them so ravenous for human flesh that they pounce upon women, children, and even upon men like veritable werewolves and devour them voraciously. 
without being able to appease or glut their appetite, ever seeking fresh prey, and the more greedily the more they eat. This ailment attacked our deputies, and as death is the sole remedy among these simple people for checking such acts of murder, they were slain in order to stay the course of their madness. Whew. That's jacked up. That is jacked up. I, don't I mean, like so you that. had a whole bunch of people that basically were just wiped out here mm -hmm. because of that. Now, there was another document that happened in 1878. And there was a Plains Cree trapper from Alberta. Plains Cree is a city uh, from Alberta named Swift Runner. Now, he suffered one of the, the worst cases ever known. Swift Runner was a trader with the Hudson's Bay Company. And uh, he was married, had six kids. In 1875, he was a guide for the Northwest Mounted Police. During the winter of 1878 to 79, Swift Runner and his family were starving. They weren't alone, though. There was a bunch of the other Cree families there that were also starving. Unfortunately, his oldest son died of starvation at some point. He was the first. And when that happened, Swift Runner actually developed this Wendigo psychosis. So the sad thing about this is there was an emergency food supply 25 miles away at the... Uh, the Hudson Bay Company. He didn't even make an, an attempt to travel there. Why? Was he pretty would get eaten? He had it in his head. He already had that psychosis. Oh, wow. So instead of going there to try to get the emergency food, he killed the remaining members of his family <gasps> and ate them. Well, that, that's greedy. Right. Glut and greed. Remember, we covered all that. He eventually confessed and was executed by the authorities at Fort Saskatchewan. How about that? That's disgusting. That's disgusting. He didn't even try to provide for his family. He just ate them. <laughs> well, that's true. Does he not know about sharing? Apparently not. Well, he shared his saliva with them. Oh, that's disgusting. And some bile. I hope he got a mouthful of poop. So that is the legend of how the Wendigo came to be and and some of the things involved with the Wendigo psychosis, which is obviously a very real thing. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't know how often that happens today or if that's something that, you know, people even comes up at all anymore, but that was definitely something that people had back in the day. So, I mean, it's like you're in a no-win situation. You don't want to eat anybody because that's just gross. But then you're like, well, I mean, if I don't eat somebody and I die, then they're going to eat me. So do I want to eat or be eaten? What if they were nasty? What if their butt stunk? What if their pit stunk? You still going to eat it? Well, I'm pretty sure that like a cow probably doesn't smell good most of the time and you eat that. That's different. You act like that they wouldn't even clean it or something first. Like well, I mean, it doesn't sound like they care. Especially that mean old dad. How are you going to just eat your family? That's disgusting. It is. And I'm glad he got what he got. <laughs> well, he had a mental illness. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I still don't. <laughs> still don't. Ugh. Okay. <sighs> just terrible. That's so terrible to think about. I know. So but, let's talk about some sightings. Okay. So as far as sightings goes, the Wendigo allegedly makes a number of appearances, obviously, near north, northern Minnesota, 
like we talked about earlier, from the 1800s to the 1920s, there was a town called Rosso. There's still a town called Rosso, but in this time, Mm -hmm. that's where most of these sightings were. Each time that a sighting was made, an unexpected death followed until the sightings just stopped in the 20s. You mean there was no explanation for the deaths? Well, I mean, there was always an explanation, but I'm saying that this, it was an unexpected death and it always happened right after a sighting. Hmm. The frequency of Wendigo sightings and Wendigo psychosis cases decreased sharply in the 20th century as Native Americans came into greater and greater contact with Western ideology. So as they started learning more about science and less about legends, because let's be honest, just like in the early days um, of any other nationality or group of people, you know, we talk about the Bible and stuff like that. But, you know, there are a lot of people out there that say, okay, well, there was Adam and Eve and this is how this. I and mean, then there's other people that say, well, that was just the way it was written. That's not really, um, you know, how it happened. It was just more of a story to tell you what happened. And instead, you've got science that tells you how people were created. Mm-hmm. Well, the Native Americans were the exact same way. I mean, they had the God of Thunder and the God of this, and they had their reasons and stories of, of what happened. And then as time came and they started, uh, you know, meeting up with settlers and stuff like that, that had learned more mm-hmm. about science and stuff like that, then some of these stories and legends started kind of fading away as they were like, oh, well, that's probably no case of this or whatever the situation is. Well, okay, but why can they go eat a cow? What are you talking about? Well, I'm just thinking about them eating him eating his kids and family. Why can't he go find a cow outside? Surely, God, there was a cow or a chicken somewhere. Probably not. Ate. Not in the brutal cold if you didn't have them. If you didn't have livestock on your ranch, you didn't have a cow to go eat. Well, I mean, there had to be a cow somewhere near. Well, he had food 25 miles away, but that wasn't what he was thinking about. He could have went and got food. The food was available to him. He wasn't thinking that. It was a mental illness, so you're not going to be thinking logically. Can we move on? This is traumatizing. We're on the Wendigo sighting part, and you're still back on the eating the kids part. <laughs> okay, go ahead. This is traumatizing. <laughs> you need to learn when to go to the next segment. <laughs> when to go. <laughs> that was a good one, babe. Yeah, it was good when I did it 10 minutes ago, too. Which is, that must have went straight over your head. <laughs> <laughs> the one thing that is a fact is that the Wendigo was taken very seriously by Native Americans. Different tribes had special ceremonial dances that were performed during times of famine to reinforce the whole seriousness of the uh, Wendigo taboo. So they wanted to make sure that, you know, they did some kind of precaution to keep people from turning into a Wendigo during those rough times. Now, the last aspect we're going to talk about on here is similar to, uh, you know, like with vampires back in the days, there were people who were vampire hunters. Of course, the most famous, obviously, Van Helsing, you know, from all the uh, Dracula and stuff like that that was constantly looking for him. Well, they had a similar situation here where they had people that would go hunting for these Wendigos. But more often than not, they really didn't have to hunt because friends or family members of these people that were suspected of becoming Wendigo were brought to these men. One of these men was Jack Fiddler. Now, unfortunately, if you brought one of these people, let's say if I thought you were turned into a Wendigo, mm-hmm. 
and I talk, brought you to, to one of these people, if they didn't feel like they could change you, they were just going to kill you. And it's very similar to like the changeling situations back in Ireland where if you were a changeling, they would just, you know, kill you. You weren't the person, you know, that they married. You wouldn't, their child, you wouldn't, whatever the deal was, they would just kill you. Similar situation here. And that's what Jack Fiddler did. He was an Ojai Cree chief and a medicine man. He was known for his power at defeating Wendigog. It's a gog. There's several. Yeah. <laughs> Fiddler claims to have defeated 14 Wendigog during his lifetime. Some were members of his own tribe, and some, he said, was sent by enemy uh, shaman from other tribes. These people all had the desire to eat human flesh and had incurable hunger. Fiddler was usually asked by the family members to kill a very sick loved one before they became a Wendigo. Think about that. If you ate a sick wind, if you eat a sick person, <laughs> do you get sick? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? If you eat a sick person, well, I mean, don't you get their? Are we sickness? back on that again? No, you just said it. You no, just said, I didn't. I no, said, you just said he was usually asked to kill a family member who was a, of a sick loved one before they would turn into a Wendigo. So basically, if somebody was sick and they thought they might turn into a Wendigo, they would have them just have them killed. Before it would happen. Oh. But, but yeah, I'm sure if you ate somebody that had TB, you would probably get TB. I don't know. I think TB is an airborne illness. That's what you get. So. Well, could you fake it? Could you fake it? <laughs> could like, you... could you fake acting like you wanted to be a Wendigo? And. And but... take the risk of getting killed? Well, I mean, you could act like you was like, oh, yeah, I want to be a Wendigo. But then they'd probably make you eat. <laughs> I think you're completely lost on this story. They don't make you eat anything. No, what I'm saying is, <laughs> like, you could act like you wanted to be one, to fake it, so they think you really want to be one. But then they probably say, oh, well, then you need to eat some meat. Who's they? The head Wendigo man. There's... <laughs> what? I'm being dead serious. I know, and that's the sad part. Oh. <laughs> All right, go ahead. Okay. Let me make sure we're clear on this. <sighs> so the Wendigo, nobody wants to be a Wendigo, first of all. So there would be no need for anybody to want to fake to be a Wendigo. Because if you're a Wendigo, you're going to get killed. Oh. So nobody's going to fake it. Oh, I, f I think I that's, misunderstood you. That's what this Jack guy does. He goes out and kills a Wendigo. Uh, for, I'm sorry. I misunderstood you. Okay. I'm understood. Sorry. Continue. <laughs> Thank you so much. You can take that whole part out if you'd like. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Fiddler's own brother, Peter Flett, was killed after he turned into a Wendigo, supposedly, when food ran out on a trading expedition. So this was the guy that was going out and was the supposed Wendigo expert. His own brother was killed for being a Wendigo. Hudson Bay Company, the, the trading company, missionaries, the Cree, um, they were all aware of the Lin of Wendigo legend, every one of them. And they often explained it as superstition or just mental illness, which is mm -hmm. basically what it was. Regardless, several events are listed in the company records of Wendigo situations. In 1907, 
Jack Fiddler, and his brother Joseph were arrested by the Canadian authorities for murder. Apparently, you can't just go kill people you think are Wendigos. Well, go here. <laughs> Jack ended up committing suicide. Joseph was sentenced to uh, um, life in prison, but he got a pardon. Unfortunately, it was three years later, and before the pardon could get to him, he died in prison. Oh, no. Oh, no, he killed people. He killed people for being a Wendigo. Well, I know. So well, he didn't need to get out of jail. Well, I didn't say he needed to get out of jail, but... He didn't need to pass go or collect $200, none of that. As far as sightings today, they still happen. You know, especially in the Ontario, uh, Canada area near to Cave this day, of the Wendigo. Ooh, we need to get some of our listeners to let us know. There's a place called Cave of the Wendigo. It's in Ontario. And there are also sightings in the towns of uh, Kenora, which has been spotted by traders, trackers, and trappers for decades. That's, that's kind of odd. Traders, trackers, and trappers. Mm-hmm. But a bunch of them have been seen. There are many people who still believe that the Wendigos roam in the woods and the prairies of northern Minnesota and Canada. Kenora, Ontario has been given the title of Wendigo Capital of the World by many people. Sightings have continued well into the new millennium. And a skill that we didn't really speak of earlier, that the Wendigos uh, are experts, are mimicking human voices. So I wonder then how long a Wendigo can actually live. I don't know. Like forever? I don't know. There's no way of knowing. It's like knowing how long a Bigfoot lives. That's so crazy. So just think about this. He can mimic a human voice. So one could be out there mimicking the voice of a person, just trying to lure you into the forest. And then when you do... Well, you know what? Then you're dumb. You shouldn't go into the forest when somebody you don't know is calling your name. Why would you ever do that? What if you was in the forest with a friend? Okay, why can't they just eat berries and leaves (laughs) and grass? Why do they have to eat your innards? I think we've discussed this like eight times in this story. So frustrating. Why? (laughs) Anyway, guys, that's the story of the Wendigo. That That is so interesting. Like, but it's awful. You should not eat people, people. <laughs> We're just going to end on that. We can't. We haven't done our Patreons and stuff oh, this no. week. Oh, no. Yeah, what are you talking about? I sure did want to end on it, though. <laughs> <laughs> She's got a little laugh in her earlier. She hit her little, ha-ha. I think I might try to clip that out and make it like a notification for my phone. Oh, jeez. I'll find a way to put it on oh, Zedge. That will be annoying. I'll put it on Zedge so everybody can get it. Oh, yeah. I'm sure. <laughs> You're just right. trying to annoy the whole world. iTunes reviews. BJ Lentz 55. Bet the change. 0366. Just call me Cole. 78. Silver Finger. Not amused. Ellen Farney and Nikki. Thank you guys for the Thank iTunes reviews. Thank you guys. You're awesome. Last week, I didn't even mention this on, on the last show, but last week we got... Uh, up to 19 in the iTunes ratings. So thank Yay! you guys for that. Thank you all so much. It part Partly you guys and uh, partly Jim Harold having us on his <laughs> yeah. his show. Which I'm sure that had a lot to do with it, too. That was a huge amount of it. Patreon supporters, Josh Hayes. He upped his from $5 you, to 10 bucks. Thank you, sir. Samantha Kelly. Oh. T. Fru. T. Fru. Tracy knocks herself out on the table. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, thank you guys so much. I know it's like the holiday season, and we can't thank you enough for um, your support. And we love the reviews. Love the reviews. Yes, please keep the reviews going. Yeah, they they help us more than anything. We love your financial support, and we don't want you to quit doing that either. But <laughs> but these reviews that are absolutely free if you have an iPhone or an iPod. And if you don't, and you've got an Android, iPod. whatever, I, I stuff, eyeballs, <laughs> eye teeth, I don't care. Either way, if you have an iPhone or an iPad... You can leave us a review on iTunes. But if you don't and you have a, a desktop or a laptop computer, you can get an iTunes account for free and leave one that way as well. So yeah, there are, we there love, are, there are ways to we do it. We love those, help. even the bad ones. We love. No, we don't love the bad ones at all. Because no. we quit even acknowledging them. So we don't love them. Well, luckily, we haven't gotten that many. No, in and a while. most of them just criticize Tracy. Yeah, so what up, yo? <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. If well, you, if you're looking for that good Christmas gift, go to our website. Shirts, mugs, shower curtains, tickets to live events, and nothing says Merry Christmas like the gift of a haunting right in front of you. That's very true. I mean, you I, could, I would dig it. You could be end up at a Sally house with us and hear some one of those EVPs like on Astonishing Legends. Who knows? You get to meet Justin Rimmel. I think he's got uh, special nicknames for each one of his body parts, <laughs> and you can learn about all of them. Um, Bobby Mackey's, awesome. If you've never been to Bobby Mackey's, we will have the place all to ourselves. Houston, four great shows in Houston. Well, you got three great shows in us, so we'll <laughs> throw stuff in there. It's Twisted Philly. Why don't you tell me about something about The Confessionals, because we're on the radio and it don't matter. Well, I don't know, but it's gross. The Confessionals... <laughs> And then you've got Sasquatch Chronicles, Twisted Philly, and us. That's going to be fun. The Louisville show, that thing is going to sell out quick. It's in uh, April 6th, and we're going to go to tour Waverly afterwards. you got to buy those Waverly tickets separately, though. Remember that. But our show is going to have Brohio. We drink and we know things out of Louisville. Funny show if you've not listened. Tracy is in love with the name. I am. I just think it's so clever. And Bishop James Long, who is a true life exorcist who's been on the History Channel. He's been on um, all these other, uh, a bunch of these different uh, paranormal shows. And he will do a presentation of different stages of possession, demonic possession, that will blow your away. Trust and me. if you're a Wendigo, please don't come. Yeah, don't come. Stay because away. Unless you're going to bring your wallet because we need you to order a lot of food. Yeah, Just you, can't, eat, you can't be eating all of us. You got to eat wings, though. Wings, because that wouldn't be at Roosters. So. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. Thank you so much. We love you. We'll talk to you next week.